The Australia Together podcast is brought to you by Australian Community Futures Planning. We're helping Australians work together to plan a better future for their nation. Visit us at www.austcfp.com.au. Hello, my name's Bronwyn Kelly. I'm the founder of Australian Community Futures Planning, or ACFP, and this is the Australia Together podcast. Today, we're providing the audio recording of my testimony before the Federal Parliamentary Joint Committee on Human Rights to assist them in their inquiry into Australia's human rights framework. In my witness statement, I made a case in support of a Human Rights Act but stated that the Constitution is a barrier to security of human rights for Australians. I advocated for the need to ensure human rights are enshrined for all in the Constitution. In supporting material, I outlined five reasons why human rights in the Constitution will be strongly to the advantage of both everyday Australians and the parliamentarians they elect. I also outlined a seven-step program of nationwide community engagement so that Australians can work together to build a new Australian constitution fit for a 21st century democracy. The testimony was positively received by the members of the committee that were in attendance. The session begins with an introduction by the committee chair, Mr Josh Burns, MP. Now, for the Hansard record, would you please state your full names and the capacity in which you appear before the committee? And I'll start on my left, Dr Kelly. Uh, I'm Dr Bronwyn Kelly, and I appear on behalf of Australian Community Futures Planning. Welcome. Welcome. I now invite each organisation to make an opening statement, and the conclusion of that will invite members to uh, ask some questions, and we'll have a discussion. Dr Kelly, with you. Okay. I look... Thank you for the opportunity of appearing before this very important committee. My name's Bronwyn Kelly and I appear today on behalf of Australian Community Futures Planning. I'll begin by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, and I pay my respects to Elders past and present. I founded Australian Community Futures Planning, or ACFP, in early 2020. It's a community-based planning and research entity that is actively helping Australians work together as a nation to plan a better future for themselves and their kids. We give them tools to help them do this. I'm also an author of two books, plus numerous essays and published articles in the media on democracy and human rights in Australia. These are part of a wide array of resources that ACFP provides freely to Australians, and the purpose is to help them transition from the merely representative democracy we have now to a fully participatory one, where everyone has political equality. My latest book is The People's Constitution, copies of which I'm going to provide for you today because it will give you substantial reasons as to why Australians need secure human rights in domestic law and it will give you a practical path to achieve that with Australians. The terms of reference for this inquiry are reasonably wide, but if I may, I'll boil them down to what I see as the most essential and say that the main reason we're here today is to discuss whether people in Australia should have human rights recognised in law, and if so, which ones? In our submission, I've mentioned that human rights are acknowledged in official Australian government policy to be universal, inherent, indivisible, interdependent, interrelated and inalienable, you know, all those in words. 
In short, your own policies acknowledge that we're all entitled to all human rights from birth and they can't be given up by us or taken away by any government, let alone one purporting to be democratic. And yet here we are in 2023 with a committee posing questions, the basic assumptions of which are at odds with this official policy. The terms of reference pose questions which contemplate the idea that we're not entitled to human rights unless it suits the government of the day. This implies that the best Australians might hope for from this inquiry is that maybe some human rights will at last come our way, if it suits the committee today. Well, I, I'm here to call on this committee to aspire to achieve more than that kind of meagre offering uh, to Australians because they're entitled to more. They should not be denied their rights. For more than five decades, Australians have been entitled to civil, political, economic, social and cultural rights under international law, but they're still not entitled to them under domestic Commonwealth law, even though the Federal Parliament has ratified all seven core human rights treaties. So I would hope this committee would ask itself why are we still sitting here in 2023 discussing whether we should have human rights given to us in law, why must we be made to wait for something that, according to government policy, is inherently ours? Some people who comment in this space are accustomed to asserting that Australians do have rights because they're protected by common law. Official government policy states that there is a common law presumption that, in the absence of clear legislation to the contrary, parliaments don't intend to interfere with fundamental human rights and freedoms. But that's not a protection. It's really nothing more than a statement that our rights will only be tolerated by a government for as long as it doesn't make a law against them. And since in the last 20 years Australian governments have frequently made laws, particularly against civil and political rights, that doesn't give any Australians any comfort that governments will respect their rights in future, unless of course they're bound to by the Constitution. Other commentators in this space have posed different reasons for asserting that human rights are not necessary in the Constitution. Bob Carr is among those who have, in his words, long opposed a Charter of Rights because it might steer policymaking away from Parliament to the courts. But this too is baseless. The reality is that the lack of human rights in the Constitution has functioned to bring about the very thing Bob Carr feared. That constitutional silence on our rights has very effectively functioned to steer policymaking away from Parliament, although not to the courts. It is steered away to executive governments, enabling them to act arbitrarily and without accountability to the Parliament. It's actually killed parliamentary supremacy. Both Parliaments and the courts have been fooled here fooled into a substantial reduction of the power of the Parliament and a near-complete reduction of the power of the courts to protect us when a government, a government wants to abuse or take away our rights. No Australian's winning here, nobody's winning here, except perhaps undemocratic governments. In response to this situation, the Human Rights Commission has suggested that we need a Human Rights Act, which might include some but not all of the rights we're entitled to under international law, but as electors, our bottom line is security of our rights. A Human Rights Act will be a fabulous improvement, but because governments have displayed a tendency to suspend those acts, it is obvious that mere legislation will not secure our rights. We will be as exposed as we are now 
to entirely unjust abuse of our rights by executive governments, and the courts won't be able to justly restrain them from that abuse. The fact that this is so has been documented in High Court decisions, and I refer you for one example to the findings of Justice Michael McHugh in the case of Alcatel versus Godwin. You can see an examination of that judgment and what it means for our human rights in Chapter 6 of the People's Constitution in the section headed, The Constitution as a Barrier to Human Rights. What that section shows is that you can put all the human rights you like in an Act of Parliament, but the Constitution will still be a barrier to our safety from abuse or destruction of our rights by governments when such destruction is not warranted or just. As elected parliamentarians, you may assume you have a legitimate role, by permission of the people and the electors, to confer rights when you think it's reasonable and take them away again when you feel it's best. But I would hope you might think beyond that and ask yourself whether it is just to deny rights to Australians that people of other nations enjoy and that past parliaments have ratified and whether it is reasonable to deny them without demonstrating that it's in the public interest to do so. If you happen to be a member of the executive government, I would like to respectfully suggest that this is an opportunity to ask yourself if you agree that what Parliament has already ratified in full should be sliced up and sifted through by your government so that you can choose which rights Australians may enjoy for the moment and which they shouldn't. And then ask yourself if you would enjoy another executive government slicing them a different way when you no longer have power. If that scenario gives you pause, then I hope that in addition to resolving to ask Parliament to pass a Human Rights Act, you will look at the option of working with Australians to ensure that their human rights can at last be enshrined in full for all in the Constitution as the indivisible whole that they are. I hope you will consider the possibility of starting a journey with them to rebuild the Constitution so that human rights are secured. In the People's Constitution, I suggested an orderly means by which this might be achieved. It might take up to a decade, but the committee could make a start. I'd like to finish by putting forward just one reason why parliaments and executive governments might find such a journey beneficial. It will restore trust in you. It will restore confidence that governments will respect Australians. I'd like, if you'd like to understand more about how it can do this, I'm very happy to answer questions on that. I have a small handout here in which I list some practical reasons as to why Australians must have human rights in the Constitution and how that will benefit parliamentarians. Thank you. Thank you, Dr Kelly. Great. So um, I might start with some questions, then I'll hand over to the Deputy Chair. Um, I'll start with you, Dr Kelly, and um, then I'll um, move to Ms Gollidge. So um, in your submission, you talk about, and, and you spoke about this in your opening statement, about no, no member of the committee is a member of the executive, um, but, but if, you know, how, would, how would a member of the committee feel if a future executive were to make decisions contrary? Well, I, I, I mean, I would put to you that, that, that absolutely they should have the right to, that any future government should have the right to completely disband any piece of legislation or make changes um, as they see fit, and there shouldn't be a restriction on on any future government making decisions to the government of the day. I mean, what, 
that, that you speak about protecting the democratic rights of Australians. I mean, to, to, to not have that would be a gross violation of the democratic rights of Australians, wouldn't it? You would have to assume that Australia has a democracy, and I come from a position that they don't. Nevertheless, I mean, democracy isn't mentioned in our constitution. I would think that what you're suggesting would be preferable if there were some indications in the constitution itself about what the limits are to abuse of the rights of Australians. But they're, if absent that, then governments trip into arbitrary operation, which means they trip into autocracy, and it's not a democracy. It's certainly not a place where people have equal rights. Basically, if common law protected our rights, it would be different, but they don't. There's nothing there at the moment. There's this big silence about what human rights are. And a democracy is not a democracy if its citizens and members do not have rights. It's simply fundamental. So, again, if they had them, then I would su suggest that what you're suggesting should pertain is, is fine. Um, there's, there's absolutely no reason why the parliament shouldn't be able to freely make laws that are in accordance with agreed principles on which people have handed over power to that parliament. No reason. But there are no agreed principles at the moment. Um, so it's... There are. It's the constitution that sets out the principles by which the governments no. and parliaments can, can make laws, and that's exactly how we operate. It doesn't set out the principles by which you make laws. It sets out the principles by which you may be elected to parliament. Quite different. Quite different. And in any case, no, it, it has out, now it resulted in a situation where you've got sorry, uh, sorry. the Howard government making a statement, an executive statement in, I forget what year it was, probably 2004 or something like that, that if an executive government violates human rights that we have accepted in international law and if it does something that is absolutely repugnant to those rights, that does not create a grounds for a challenge to an administrative decision by an executive government. So, in effect, um, it's, that's, that's another way in which the parliament has been fooled, in my view, into thinking that they are the ultimate parliamentary sovereign when, in fact, all that power has actually been transferred to executive governments um, and it's, it's risky for parliamentarians, for executive governments and for the people. The fact is there are no rules that you have to abide by. Once you're elected, you can do anything. Now, that is not good. If you had a constitution that said what the principles are and what the limits to power are, fine, I would agree with you. But you don't have that. You have a constitution that specifies what each member who is empowered by the constitution can make laws for, mm. but no limits as to whether they should be laws consistent with the values of the nation at all. No limits. So values get that first. The values of the nation, I mean, it's, it's a subjective thing. It's, it's what, what, you, what you would think. They wouldn't be if you got Australians to specify them in the constitution, which is, of course, partly what this book is about. Australians specify their values all the time. It's 
probably the case, though, that governments just don't listen. Um, and those, those values should be a condition precedent to even selecting human rights. If, if Australians specified their values in the Constitution, and there's nothing to say that they can't, they should be able to specify their values in their own constitution because that tells them what country they want to build, what commonwealth they want to come together for. Nothing, a, you know, a, a statement that is missing can't do any of that. So, um, okay. basically, uh, no, I think what you're suggesting should be the right order of things, would be the right order of things if the people had a statement in the constitution as to what is the wrong order of things. Okay, thank you for, your, thank you for that answer. I'm going to hand over to the Deputy Chair. Hi, thanks, Josh. Uh, Dr Kelly, I'm addressing you. Uh, in a few months' time, I will have served the Parliament and the people of Australia for 25 years. Your opening statement was brilliant. It should be compulsory reading for every MP that comes into the Parliament, and you spoke the truth. Um, I've heard probably hundreds, if not thousands, of opening statements. And I thank you. We're just having trouble with the audio. He was very complimentary. Deputy Chair was very complimentary. He said that it was compulsory reading for every MP and that you spoke the truth. Yeah. Good on you. I'm sorry. Can Can you hear me now? I can now. Yes. Can Can you hear me now? Yes. Dr. Kelly, I said I've spent, uh, in a few months, I've spent 25 years serving the Parliament and the people of Australia uh, through my parliamentary service. And I've heard hundreds, if not thousands, of opening statements. And that was the most remarkable opening statement I've ever heard because it told the truth. Um, and the truth should be set free. And if we can do that through this Human Rights Committee and guidance from the committee, it would be greatly appreciated. So just thank you for appearing today. I don't have a question of you. Um, I'm just uh, complimenting you on that opening statement. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very, you're in a very generous mood, <laughs> Deputy Chair, but um, we will take that contribution. Uh, we'll hand over to Senator Grogan. Uh, thank you, Chair. I, I am driving, so I'm sorry if the audio is a bit, um, a bit rough. Um, in relation to the, the sense of having the um, having human rights enshrined in the Constitution, um, I think a topical question might be: What do you think would be the circumstance if that was supported in the Constitutional Amendment um, and was defeated? What, what do you think that would do for um, what we do have currently and any chance of a human rights act? Could you, could you um, unless I'm much mistaken, um, Senator, the question was that if, if, a, if a referendum was defeated on the pathway to constitutional enshrinement of Human Rights Act, um, what would that do to the prospects of enshrining human rights in Australia? Well, it wouldn't be good, but um, I think if uh, I make available to you the... Um, I've got a kit here that actually sets out, um, among other things, a pathway to uh, a program of developing a new constitution with Australians, which actually involves 
everybody in Australia basically uh, going through a series of surveys and contributions and collaborations and plebiscites before they get to the point of a referendum. And uh, in, this, in the handout, I've actually suggested an order by which that new nation could be made by, a new, by making its own new constitution. Uh, the main tenets of what would be in that uh, could be an, it would be an opportunity for Australians to actually decide what the purpose of their nation is and how they want to express that in any preamble or addition to the constitution. It would be to decide, for, allow them to decide what human rights they wish to put in the constitution. In other words, the ones that um, they think should not be reduced by the parliament um, and the ones that can in certain circumstances be reasonably and justly reduced, that's fine. Um, it would include um, anything that Australians actually want to make to increase their ability to develop greater participation in their own democracy. Um, so I think that it's better to look at it rather than look at it from the point of view of whether um, a failed referendum would kill human rights forever. It would be better to look at all of this as an opportunity to establish the sort of nation that we want and embark on a collaborative program with Australians to develop that by helping them build the thing that makes the nation, that is their constitution. It makes the nation. Uh, at the moment, Australians don't own the constitution. They think it's the property of a distant monarch who died about 150 years ago, 120 years ago. Um, and it, it would be a great opportunity to help them find a way to start again and say, okay, what sort of nation do we want to build together? What do we want to come together for as a commonwealth? What do we want to stay together for? That needs to be said in the constitution where everybody has a chance to actually say, yep, this is the common project of the nation. Um, and once that is in place, if it ever gets in place, you know, it could take five years' worth of consultations, and I suggest that it will take that long. But then parliaments, suddenly parliaments have, they have power, they will have power that they don't legitimately have now. I mean, they have power now because they've decreed it shall be so, but this would actually have Australians saying, all right, we're willing to legitimise that power because we're confident you will use it for good, not evil. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I would say look at it as an opportunity instead of worrying about whether um, Australians will rise to the occasion. I firmly think they will rise to the occasion if they're given the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Well said. Um, on that note, we thank both of you not only for your time this afternoon but for the detailed submission um, that you've uh, made to this inquiry and the committee requests that questions taken on notice are provided to the committee secretariat by close of business 19 October 2023. Uh, we thank you very much again for your evidence and we wish you a good day. Thank you. And the committee will suspend for two minutes as we welcome our next witnesses. Bronwyn Kelly appeared at this inquiry alongside a representative of the Kingsford Legal Centre, Emma Gollidge, who also advocated strongly for the introduction of a Federal Human Rights Act. The full recording of their session before the committee is available by contacting Parliamentary Broadcasting by email 
at broadcasting at aph.gov.au. My name's Bronwyn Kelly, and this has been the Australia Together podcast, brought to you by Australian Community Futures Planning. To become involved in planning and building a better future for Australia, subscribe to ACFP at www.austcfp.com.au. Everyone is welcome to participate.